0: Hello, Tom. Hi, Sophia. You alright?
1: Uh, yeah, I'm just going to be like producing more or engineering more closely this episode. Why? Because the audio on the last one was a tad distorted on your mic. Oh, right, okay. So I'm watching the failures. Well,
0: Also, I feel like you're not very interested in this topic as far as...
1: Yeah, so I'm <laughs> going to be largely quiet this episode. Um, I've been avoiding this topic like the plague for since, <laughs> since you... Like since you thought about this, to be honest, um, and it's just the reason why. And I'll I'll just put this out there. It's just when I see um, issues around Islam being discussed, be it like even if it's something really trivial or if it's something like controversial, it always seems to garner like really um, hostile responses and stuff. And I think the only reason why I'm comfortable to even. Be here and be present on this is because at least I know with podcasts, people can't um, comment or can't <laughs> respond. Like, there's no beats. Yeah. Um, and, like, I just, I it's to me, it's like waving a red flag to a ball. Like, people are just uh, on it because then it's like there's two camps. There's like, um, there's, I see, I even feel bad even identifying the people because I don't want to be accused of anything. That I basically, I just feel. Super uncomfortable, but I know this is something new. Yeah, well, who are, are the you. two
0: camps? Go on. Pardon. Who are the two camps?
1: No, so you have like the, like, how am I gonna put it? There's the people that seem to have their own version of the faith, and are busy like basically trying to police other people Mm -hmm. and are not really reflecting the true values from what i understand of the faith Mm -hmm. by the act of policing others Mm -hmm. in how they practice the faith Mm -hmm. um and then there's the the other camp is just the straight up um (laughs) like peeps that um like i guess the
0: the outsiders
1: or the people that just like um I'm gonna put it
0: secularists
1: not secular oh i, I yeah because i could i could say atheist but i know not all athe- i can't talk no not atheists uh, no no exactly like, some people are like are in that agree to disagree camp and like they just don't believe and it's not by any hostile means they no don't no no it upon you or anything mm. like i don't have a problem with those people um but there is like a camp that um especially with like the poti- uh like politi- uh politicalization and like the political climate and stuff um that just want to not even I don't even think it's exclusive to um, Islam, but it's obviously Islam's the main one in the firing line. That just want to see like religious people fail, because mm-hmm. um, I can think of examples. Obviously, there's the whole anti-Semitism, or then there's um, some attacks on Christianity, but it's not as prevalent, I would say, mm-hmm. because they claim to be Christian. Some of them. Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah, look, it's just, to me, religion's just always a hot potato, and it's something (laughs) I just don't feel comfortable talking about. I don't enjoy having on-the-air conversations about it. Like, I can barely talk to you about it sometimes. Yeah. Um, Like, I remember when our friends came over um, from L.A. Christmas time. I did not want to talk of, even that they are people of faith, and it's just, I still... I don't, yeah safe space and yeah, you're still, still climbing it's up it's not it's yeah it's not
0: well i'll tell you what we'll have another episode where we delve into why that is and we'll go into deep and in,
1: not because it's you know what your it mind. Is, like, i can i can quickly summarize it. we don't even have to go too deep into it it's <laughs> it's it, to me it feels like a tightrope and like below is um like sharks and crocodiles because if i say something ill thought out like it's it's you very quickly get pigeonholed or or like how can I put it? and another thing as well it's a very fluid thing I can't claim to know my own faith inside out so my yeah. positions are always going to be changing yeah um so if I commit to or if I argue or debate for a particular dis- um position I might not feel that position um like a year or two from now like, and and like case in point this podcast you've been on a on a journey with the topic of um around the hijab so your position arguably has not been fixed in time you absolutely not that's ta- the whole reason yeah. why this but podcast like is coming you up have conversations around um faith like i don't know it's
0: it's cemented in time yeah
1: and it's taken as one of those things that people will define your character by or judge mm. you I, I feel the judgment mm. which is why i just do not want to ever enter it's it's like um I guess it's the only rational reason why, you know, when people are like, oh, don't talk about religion or politics mm-hmm. at work or all this and that. Usually, I just think it's our peeps that just don't want to be on the wrong side of what they call virtue signaling or mm-hmm. whatever. But mm-hmm. in this, it's just I just don't want to, that feeling of, I don't know. I I just haven't got it worked out myself, so I don't feel like I have the right to even enter the arena. To, and that that's just like the quick overview.
0: Okay, I completely understand why you feel that way. Here's why I will talk about it today. Yeah. Is the other side of that coin, Tom, is that something as hot, hotly, con- the, a hot potato like Islam, yeah, mm-hmm. and particularly Muslim women, visibly Muslim women, w- Muslim women that wear a hijab or a head covering are subject to abuse, vitriol, uh, teasing judgment uh missing job opportunities misrepresentation in media it goes on and on right and if Muslim women can't have a voice of their own and they can't express themselves in their story then people will speak for them and that is what continually happens so whilst I appreciate that my my views on this topic have changed and, and are not fixed in time, you, you're quite right on that. but what what the reason why I want to speak about this, despite the fact that I know that I'm opening myself up to judgment to the, the very things that I've just listed, it's more important to me that I get to say what happened rather than someone else making assumptions or judgments about what happened Mm. right um and if there's any any way if there's one if there's one person that listens to this and takes away a more open-minded view or a more nuanced view on the topic rather than you know taking what they see as face value from how we're represented in media um how things are happening you know around them that they just kind of take on as face value then that's a win for me, right?
1: Yeah. So you know, I I hear what you're saying. I I feel like a big part of it is when we watched um what's her name Dina Tokyo, mm-hmm. and she was fully sincere. But then like you saw what happened the the within the next week, and she put out a video of basically reading out every single hate comment. Yeah, and it's just this it's is just a sad to a really see, prominent
0: like, YouTuber. Um, I'll put her information in the description. And she she's she wore she wore a hijab from when she was eleven years old by choice, and I love how I have to say that because we because ha- I have to like note that as if because the assumption is that it's not by that choice. you're forced exactly so and so lesson number one kids <laughs> most of the time it's by choice okay so just just note that uh, so she started wearing a, a headscarf at eleven. And she decided to take it off, I think, what, 10, 11 years later. By this point, she's got two kids. She's married. She's, like, in her late 20s, early 30s. And she's a prominent um, social media uh, influencer and YouTuber. And you could argue that she developed a following of predominantly Muslim women, at least at the beginning, because of how she represented herself. This is... And I was one of those people. I didn't... I wasn't wearing a headscarf at the time. But she was the first person i saw in the world literally that wore it in like fun cool young ways that wasn't an auntie that i'd just seen all my life and she was a normal british like muslim she's same ethnicity as me as well she's half um well she's half english half egyptian i'm half scottish half Moroccan. like i felt an affinity i was like okay this is a this is somebody that has two different cultures within her and she's she's wearing this headscarf and she looks really cool and fun doing it and she's totally herself um and you could argue she built up a following based on that and then when she decided to take it off she just was bombarded with just complete harassment bullying and an abuse online abuse from all kinds of people like most and, and a lot of it was like Muslims themselves turning their back on her and saying you've you've you know basically done yourself a disservice you've you've put a bad name on us you're taking it off like you're you're an embarrassment to our community blah 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 um you're going to hell like all all kinds of things and she read she had this video which is really hard to watch of I think it's like a 40 plus minute video of her reading just so many comments from the last two videos she did uh and they're all just just disgusting right? and this is the kind of thing that happens on what you said there's the two camps for me the way i name it is the secularists on one side that are almost like pitying Muslim women oh you've decided to take off oh, good for you oh you've finally taken a stand and you're going to be an independent western woman like the rest of us right and then the other side of it is like basically Islam, like haram police uh who feel their it's their obligation or responsibility to tell you what to do and tell you why you're a bad muslim or a good muslim when it's none of your damn business and i think my point is is that muslim women can't seem to win either way they're getting pulled in these like different directions and they're not just the the main lesson of it all is just let me live just let me let me live like i can't win either way when i put it on i'm getting all kinds of shit for it when I take it off I'm getting all kinds of shit for it can you not just leave me alone like let let God be the judge let you know let life play out um so she was that was a massive she wasn't the only one by the way there's a few that have since decided to you know because they've grown like they've yes they've grown online they've grown a following they've built you could argue they've built a career um On this but life happens and opinions change and as you said nothing's fixed and they've just decided that their life has evolved they've they no longer feel the need or the want to wear this thing on their head and they've paid the price for it like they've lost their following or they've lost job opportunities or they receive abuse and harassment and this just feels weird to me that we're just allowing that to happen right that when you make a choice in your life, you just have to face the consequences from complete strangers. I mean, you'd you'd think that when you're making a life-affirming decision like that, um, that you'd be celebrated or you'd be, I don't know, welcomed and saying, good for you, you know, you've made a choice for yourself. Like, good for you. It might not be the choice I'd make, but happy that you made the choice that was right for you.
1: That's my big problem with like most of the discourse around these, type of issues is that you there isn't that space it's Mm-mm. literally we're right on teams. yeah exactly you're either with me or against black me black and white yeah
0: yeah there's no gray you're not allowed to have gray and the thing as you said you're so right when you said at the beginning uh i can't remember how you said it but just this idea of people telling you what to do or like feeling like it's their place to to judge you or make make assumptions about you and and as you said, like in Islam, that's ac- it's actually going against the faith to do those things. Yeah. So like, all of this is actually like clouded in this irony that in the actual faith itself, in Islam, you're not like one of the like what's the word? Like one of the principles is mind your damn business. Yeah, <laughs> basically. Well, that's not like, played out. You're not allowed to tell someone whether they're a Muslim or not, or you're a bad Muslim, good Muslim. Like you're not allowed to tell somebody what to do especially in the ways that is happening right now i mean basically there's this a uh, this loophole that people find um, i think that's
1: universal when i think about it like across all the ha- abrahamic faiths like not supposed to judge other people and no it's just, just mind yeah, your business yeah, but the, the
0: the loophole that people find is this um concept in islam called dawah which means to invite people to islam so again key word there being inviting like welcoming and oh you know let me tell you about this cool thing and it's like like it can you could argue that this podcast i'm about to do now is dawah in the sense of i'm i'm, I'm teaching people or i'm reg- or i'm giving people an a, a look into the faith like kind of different aspects of it or different you know and it may it may inspire you to do your own research and to to look into it yourself and that in itself is dawah it's not you're wrong. You need to do it like this. My auntie said so. You're going to hell. All of that. That's not dawah, but I feel like people have taken that concept of dawah and have twisted it into a really hateful, misogynist approach where they just feel the need to tell Muslim women what to do all the time.
1: Another thing as well that, I, like the big, I, we we discuss it quite often. The another elephant in the room, especially in matters related to faith, is the the crossroads it seems to constantly have with culture
0: yes absolutely
1: like that to me is I feel like that's the like the driving or the main corrupting force in terms of like people being authentically like able to practice their religion or um what's it called yeah I feel like that like there's like they they both have their own distinct lens and people are trying constantly to bridge the two together put it this way Um, the
0: islam in senegal is very different to the islam in pakistan very different to islam in saudi because of the cultures the cultures are so varied
1: yeah it's like it wasn't in in the when we were watching the thing with afro hush um senegal they have massive uh, muslim uh, population yeah yeah, mass yes was it like a majority yeah um, but then there was that um, figure. I forgot his name now. It's really gonna mm-hmm. bug me. The one that they all seem to celebrate like a saint. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, Oh wow, is there other figures like this? In and I was like, life? Hell and no! Then he was like, No, it's actually frowned upon. Like he was in saying, other cultures, yeah, yeah you don't, so, you don't,
0: you don't put, you don't idolize other but people. Then
1: the maddest thing is is that like people in Senegal, people in Morocco, or like yeah. other places, you all claim to be like, Muslim, and there's the and, truth. And then yeah, that's an that's example the truth. of like of the, variance the, the, yeah the yes. variation in action
0: but especially but the thing the thing that all of this has in common and we will get into it is patriarchy so when you think about cultures a lot of cultures are rooted in patriarchy very yeah. few are rooted in in matriarchy yeah so when you have patriarchy as the kind of underpinning of culture then when you put a religion into it whether it's whatever religion it tends to basically what this is a really like gross anec um what's the word metaphor but when you put when you have a sausage machine and the uh, cake <laughs> ca- sausages the- <laughs> i love eating
1: them but my goodness the way it is it's made is so disgusting but basically look when you think of
0: the output yeah the output is is informed by the input and when you put when you inject religion into culture the with the sausage that comes out at the end is not necessarily the tastiest. Like it's not because it's not <laughs> like so I'm sorry. I don't know, it's just not how it was It's like Islam is is not and never was the problem. Ever. Ever, ever. I've put my life on that. It would. it never was the problem. Never is. Still isn't. And culture, again, you know, like you've used the example of Senegal, um, and their concept of idolizing this this great historical figure that is not a concept in most sects of islam the only one i can think of that is akin to that and it's actually on a different level is ismaili islam which is a sect that um claims that the well it's not claim it's, it's it is the truth that the um the the i don't know what the right time is the leader of that faith is a direct descendant of the prophet muhammad peace be upon him so and so he him He's referred to as the Aga Khan. He is con- considered a uh,
1: a we- descendant
0: of the Prophet, yeah. and a you could argue that he. His, so I've seen his pictures hang, hanging up in people's homes and that kind of thing. Um, the same way you would hang up pictures of the Virgin Mary if you're yeah. Catholic, right? So there's the there is a concept of it in in Islam, but it's not a dominant view, and you'll find that saudi muslims that visit senegal would be a tr- would be appalled by what they're seeing but vice versa right because there are different cultural practices in saudi like the fact that women weren't allowed to drive for bloody yonks that would be that would be appalling to other cultures my the, point is is that culture yeah. informs faith yeah because
1: i was gonna say the people in senegal probably don't feel like they've crossed any lines
0: no like, not at they all. just
1: probably see it like oh he's just like a saint or but he like, did
0: so much for the yeah. culture there's a thing he as a muslim person did so much for the culture so then he so then it informs they inform each other so then muslim people then view him as a representative of their faith yeah my point is is that islam itself is never and never is never will be the problem it's just how people influence the culture or they take or they interpret parts of the religion to inform their own biased views on things and when it comes to the hijab that is a Hardly contested issue that is played out globally, and it and diff, again, different cultures practice it very differently. Um, particularly in Muslim majority countries, aside from Iran and Saudi, where it's actually uh, compulsory to do it, that's a whole other issue. A lot of Muslim majority countries, it's not this overly thought of thing, it's more just you could argue that you know, how there's a secular Judaism in the US, for example. Yeah where you have orthodox jewish communities where they where they take it very seriously they cover their hair Mm -hmm. or they wear wigs um in in Muslim majority countries there's a you could argue a kind of secularist muslim you know kind of vibe there where if you're a muslim woman you can wear it or you can't like it just it depends the only thing i'd say in that i'm thinking of morocco primarily as an example of this where i walk around and there's all kinds of women that aren't wearing it and then there's all kinds of women that are and i i think the the only difference really is that when you do wear it you're considered more pious yeah or a better quote better muslim but it doesn't it doesn't um denigrate or demote the non-hijab wearing muslim woman either it doesn't make her less of them it just makes her normal Muslim and then anyone that wears it is a better Muslim (laughs) right okay so then when you come into that uh that's where the kind of the differentiators happen is just again how culture is informed with it and then in western cultures well Turkey is an example of a place that's trying to become more secular I think they've recently put some restrictions on wearing hijab or in, in some ways and France has famously put restrictions on wearing hijab Um, and France is a whole different kettle of fish where they're really they're really chipping away at the the Islamophobia is rampant in that country it's unbelievable Um, but my point is is that how different cultures interpret the hijab or the the head covering uh, it makes us feel like there's this fundamental problem with hijab or like that there's something wrong with it and that women are forced to do this or that it's not necessarily true. It depends on where you are. It really just depends mm. on where you are and the cultures you come from. Um, for this episode, I don't know how long we've been going for, that probably is an episode in of itself. But uh, for this episode, I wanted to talk about my story with hijab because I feel like look, I didn't wear it forever. Um, I wore it for seven years. I started wearing it at twenty-two and yeah so for seven years I wore it I don't feel like that's you know too long but I feel like it's long enough to know what it life is like with it and what life is like without it um and you know going back to the point earlier I want to tell my story because otherwise someone will make assumptions about what it is and uh, I don't think that that's wrong in and of itself but I think in this climate particularly it's very important that people don't make assumptions <laughs> about Islam um, or, or kind of um, open themselves up to that level of manipulation from the media or what you perceive you know I will speak for myself I'm a, I'm a grown ass woman and I'm an independent person and I will speak on what matters to me and this matters to me it matters to me that people know that it's not one size fits all, and that Islam is not, you know, a, a misogynist faith, and that the people that are within that faith are a monolith. Right? We are a very diverse, varied community. We call ourselves the Ummah. Like the the Muslim global community, the Ummah is is so varied. There's so there's like hundreds of languages within it, hundreds of of cultures. It's not one one thing, and here I am a British Muslim woman with one story that doesn't represent everyone else at all by any means but it but it is a story that may help people to understand the I guess a window into the life of a Muslim woman in my culture in my Britishness and yeah I'm hoping that that provides some I don't know insight or illuminates your understanding of this faith or of this concept within this faith.
1: Here's a quick question. Um, it just popped into my head. It mm-hmm. just made me, like, realize... Obviously, you just said, like, there's many diverse cultures and many different ways people practice and stuff, which obviously point to the fact that there's loads of different sects within mm-hmm. Islam. I, just, I feel like... Um, and I guess this goes for... I think this goes for all faiths. Um, mm-hmm. People within the faith are unaware that there's differences within the faith. Oh, God, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. they become so blind to it. And it's like... There's so many
0: blind spots. Yeah, like, mm-hmm. for
1: example... Um, yeah, it's just... And I think, like, for example, I just think of all the people that are, that were going after Dina and her video. Were all those people from the same denomination or the same sex? Probably mm-hmm. not. So they already have, like, different like views Mm -hmm. but it's i don't know it's like they're everyone's together but then they're not
0: Mm -hmm. and yet
1: they're expecting the same from different people it's just it's weird it's just like a um a widespread blindness i feel yep and like a lack of awareness that oh actually this person might practice things differently they have different things that have informed informed how they That um, inform their faith, or just yeah. But I also
0: feel like I I've made a note here to also mention that we forget how much of those cultures were impacted by colonialism as well. Yeah. So when you think about the the different external forces like patriarchy, like colonialism, yeah. And you see how that plays out in the way that these cultures have become I don't know entrenched in certain ideas of, for example, caste, yeah, race uh their views on women uh ways that this plays out in, in how people express themselves or view their identity or view their class their their own faith their their religion um and you know on top of that you've got just the general differences that you can see in people's different races and um and and cult and cultural practices and cultural values that are just mm-hmm. so varied, but there's that underpinning of how these places are influenced by patriarchy and colonialism. So, you know, those things aren't divorced from each other. Like that the, these things play into into one another. Um I also wanted to say, I mean this goes without saying, but I don't I mean I'm I'm just a dum dum. I don't I'm not a scholar. I don't know the ins and the outs and I can't say what is okay or what isn't okay according to Islam Yeah, um, and that I'm I'm not endorsing any particular kind of position I'm just speaking from my own experience yeah. um, and you know I'm not saying that this is what everyone should just take what I even when I'm saying with a pinch of salt uh, okay let's get into it I actually for real I wrote I wrote an essay years ago and i never published it about what the reality of wearing a hijab was i think i'd been wearing it for two years at that point and i was like i had all these ideas about what it would be like and then i obviously was in it for a couple of years at that point and i wrote down all of the myths around the hijab yeah which i thought was what i'm not going to read the whole essay out but just i'll you know sort of touch on that a little bit um but as far as like why i put so i put it on at 22 um and the there are many reasons why i put it on one of them the main one being that i wanted to be closer to my faith mm. essentially and i put i put it on at 22 i am now 28 i took it off earlier this year in may i mean it was locked down no on koreta really anyway but anyway i decided to no longer wear a hijab yeah and i did it for the exact same reason if you can believe that so i i took i put it on to be closer to my faith and i took it off to be closer to my faith yeah and there's reasons why that that is um and i'll I'll go into them and then there's many reasons that i won't go into because even i mean i'm i'm gonna be very honest and personal here but even some of these things are way off base and like not gonna be talking about it publicly Mm. but you'll get the you'll get pretty good gist as to what's what's been going on it is a taboo topic within the muslim community as well uh but and especially taking it off the idea of taking it off is kind of whoa what are you doing there you're like, like walking um, away from the faith
1: yeah i was gonna say it seemed like a ref- like a rejection almost yeah. from the outside anyway that's what i'm saying
0: for sure um but i mean it and you're considering that when you're thinking about it by the way like the decision to put it on and the decision to take it off requires in my view equal uh, having done it requires equal amount of courage and thought it's not quick to you know just pull the plaster off get it over with it's really not I considered putting it on for about a year before I put it on and I did the exact same thing it took around the same time I was really thinking about it for a long time and part of that was thinking about what will the community think what will what will it say about me and my connection to my faith am I really going to be closer to my faith if I took this thing off um you know so there's that going on okay but I just wanted to like describe what even is the hijab and I'll put some resources in the description as well um but basically the this concept of hijab H I J A B, right? It's, it's actually not about a headscarf whatsoever. <laughs> it's about, um, it's described in the Quran as a partition. So it's it's meant to like a curtain or a partition, something that sort of puts a barrier up, right? And so that's again, open to interpretation, right? So when I say hijab, you think headscarf, but that's not actually what was intended by that word. So the the, the, the actual intention of the word was a partition. The word that's closest to the concept of headscarf is actually khimar which means which was described in the in the Quran as something where, um, in that time, again, basically, if you take like a cloth and you just drape it over your head, you're not wrapping it, you're not doing any cool style, you're just you're just drop like drap, like dropping it on your head and and letting it come cover over your chest. So this could argue kind of like a hippy dippy type thing where you just like plop it on your head and it falls over your chest
1: why am i thinking of is it not the jalaba um the niqab is that what that is So
0: then there's no not at all so when people think of niqab that's the the people that's the one where you're having you you cover your head and you also cover your face so you can only see your eyes um and that's a veil that you just put over your face it's not one piece of fabric you you put something on your head and you put another thing on your face yeah and then the burka is this i is basically where you cover your whole face so it's like a basically like a cloth that you put over your whole thing um i'm not i'm really not going to go into the politics of like what's actually like what's cool what's not look at the end of the day these cultures these places interpret whatever they want to interpret do whatever they want to do i'm not going to talk about like what i think about those things that's for educate if you do your research and you and you keep an open mind you will discern um you know the what's going on there as far but like going back to and this may help you to understand this as far as the quran is concerned there is no mention of niqab burqa Mm. covering your whole face covering your whole hair like uh, sorry covering your whole like all your eyes your forehead like there is no concept of that in the Qur'an. The The, the only thing mentioned in the Qur'an is this idea of a, of a khimar which is a draping over your chest. And this was because back then, women would just be bare-breasted. They would just be out and about, flopping about. Yeah. So this was just a thing, uh, again, specific to that time, where you would cover that part of your body, okay? So I'm not going to go into how that's evolved until now and all this, right? This is just what was intended at the time. And...
1: What? Wait, without... Basically, because this is in the backdrop of, like, paganism, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, again, it's like... uh, If you think of, like, the historical context, it just served a purpose back then, yeah. right? And the hijab itself, as in that word, partition, was meant to denote this idea of modesty, of, like, keeping up a barrier of sorts, right? Yeah. Um, This idea of, of modesty, which is not specific to women, it's for everyone yeah um and you know examples of how you could display hijab or practice hijab if you considered it a verb right is to to basically make sure you're taming your ego staying modest not displaying arrogance or pride right keeping things chill just keeping things low-key it's it is more of a it was more of a verb like a doing i'm gonna i'm gonna be i'm gonna practice hijab internally it wasn't so much of a external thing i even saw on linkedin there was a in the interest of educating people who work in offices or whatever here are the seven or eight different types of i was like i haven't even seen half of these like what's going on here (laughs) like there was the khimar there was the which i obviously understood they then called one of them a hijab which is not true that's not that's not what it is right but they thought of if you think of oh god i don't know um, uh, I'm trying to think Ibtihaj Muhammad I don't the, know either. The Olympic fencer She wears what you consider a oh, sports one th- Yeah yeah lake. yeah So she cons- she wears like a You could argue a traditional hijab style Where it's like Quite yeah. simple You like wrap it around You cover your neck Yeah And then there was God they had all kinds of ones They had but the niqab also- The burqa And then they had other ones I was like what's that Like, like for example A khimea like, or something I don't know
1: I keep thinking of Um how they wear it? How I've seen it been wear worn in not Persia, Iran, and um, majority like women. It's very
0: loose. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, and that's what I think that that was a style that was in. I was like, that's not. I don't know. It was just like all these different ones, and like, and then all the comments were like, "Oh, thank you so much." I'm like, I feel so educated. I'm like, weeks. I want to be so inclusive, and then Muslim people were commenting like. This isn't real, like, this is weird. Again,
1: that goes back to the whole thing of, of there's different sexes, different ways of looking at it. Like, it's not yeah, what, one. Yeah, <laughs> but what? It
0: was like, it was basically this effort to try and be inclusive. I appreciate the effort, yeah. but it's just people are getting too, like, locked up in the detail of it. And, like, I don't know. You know how when you go into a temple, when you're, like, visiting a new place and a yeah, new country you and, you, and you cover, like, it's kind yeah. of an expectation. But it wasn't until I was around twenty twenty one that I'm thinking about my faith more seriously. For, for whatever reason, I just decided that that was like the... Well, you know, it just kind of happened naturally that I started to pay more attention to my faith and I like, understand it a bit more. And that concept came up uh, many a time. Um, and I really, again, thought about it, seriously considered it, considered the price I'd pay, considered the cost of it. You know, would I lose friends? Would I lose... Um, You know, job opportunities. I'm just, I'm just coming out of uni. I'm just out of uni now. I don't want to have a situation where you know I'm I'm going for interviews and I'm not getting jobs. I really considered all of those things because it is that's that is what happens. Um. And but for me, when I put it on, it really was just like this thing that kind of brewed up in me. I was like, oh my god, like I just want to see if it's possible. Right, so like, I, I was just thinking about it as an act of defiance, almost. I just want to see if this is even possible. Can't Do I have the strength to put this on and be out in the world, visibly, as a Muslim woman? Because I'd been Muslim up until this point, but you couldn't tell, and you st- and you could argue you can't tell now. I'd never really thought, I'd never lived through the world as a target, put it that way. And so I considered that when I put it on, I'm, I'm going to be a target, especially now when I'm living in a white suburbia where I was, and it is an act of strength. When you see women out in the world wearing a headscarf right now, trust me, it takes strength to, to put that thing on and to choose to go out in the world and wear that because you don't know what's, what's coming to you that day. Because
1: um, you're inheriting all of the...
0: All of the bias, okay. the vitriol, the harassment, the misrepresentation. You're taking it all on your shoulders. You are walking around the world visibly, a visible target, right? Not even Muslim men, men deal with that. and a lot of muslim men like to claim that too oh well we have beards like "Mm, that doesn't count there's a lot of hipsters in shoreditch that wear beards now so try again try again
1: you're not gonna get someone we wear
0: we wear the um the fuqiyah or the the jalaba like the you know the kind of over the oversized dress things that muslim men wear like to mosque and stuff yeah you're wearing that to mosque the same way you know people have their sunday best for church and then you take that thing off you know like you don't This is stupid, and then there's just a lot of comparisons that Muslim men like to make, and it's not because they're Muslim, right? It's because they're a person of color that they deal with certain levels of harassment, right? If you're if you're a brown guy, you're gonna deal with some shit. I completely agree, but it's not because you're a Muslim brown guy. There's a lot of Sikhs, there's a lot of Hindus that deal with the same thing as as a man, right? So this is this is the distinction: is that Muslim women deal with a level of of a situation that cannot be compared if you're a Muslim man it's just that it's just that simple um nonetheless for whatever crazy reason I felt like I wanted to do it um and at this point I'd be un- like trying to learn about my faith understand the concept of modesty and for me it felt like a next step in that journey and I ultimately had a perception that it would help elevate my faith or help me connect to God more more deeply can I just ask
1: um Within the communities that you were involved in, how was the hijab sold to you as a young girl?
0: That's the thing. I think that's just part of the problem. Is it wasn't sold to me. Oh, pers- I wasn't educated on it. It was just, oh, when you're a woman, you wear this. Okay. okay, why? Why? No explanation. No, not really. The other part of it too, and I cannot express to you how much fear I had about this thing. Okay. Yeah. I would. I would put it on in secret like I'd go out and put it on in secret or I would put it on on my commute to work and then take it off just before I got to work yeah stuff like this where if I was in anim- anonymity I would put it on yeah just to see I'd, uh, an hour or two because I couldn't face the idea that like my family would see me in it it, was, it almost felt like oh my god like what are they gonna think what my yeah. friend's gonna think what's everyone gonna think and then again you know I just sort of did away with that oh my god I don't care what people think I'm just gonna do this yeah so um here's what I learned when I put it on okay so this just comes back to the, the essay thing that I was telling you about earlier so people actually they do stare people do stare it's not that's not cliche like people actually do and they and you're like a what's it like an ornament or like something to a fascination for people yeah and I genuinely felt like oh when I start wearing it I'll be fine like I won't be one of those people that's gawked at like I'll, I'll slip through the net. I don't know why I felt that way, my white passing privilege or something. Um, and it doesn't, It like at the time, so again, seven years of that, didn't happen all the time. I'd say it got easier as years went on. People just became more accepting, I suppose. But there were a few good years of that where I know that because I'd lived a life without it, that I knew that this was the dif- the differentiator, mm-hmm. right? Now I'm wearing it, nothing else has changed about me, but now I'm suddenly getting stares or looks or weird situations. People would like come up to me and like t- touch my head, um, like almost like fascinated by it. Uh, people would like kind of gawk at me, say oh they loved the, how fashionable I was, or um, they would just, or they'd like ask inappropriate questions if I wore it more traditionally again kind of like wrapped around my neck then I'd get different attention than when I was wearing it as a turban yeah which was the majority of the time to be to be honest I would wear it more as a kind of turban style and I'd get a lot more positive attention for that because people would like like to fall on fall back on oh is it fashion like no it's oh okay oh sorry like they would just like feel like really uncomfortable about it um but anyway, regardless of whether it was positive or negative attention, at the end of the day, it was still unwanted attention that I hadn't received up until that point. Um, and it's just a, a straight-up invasion of privacy when people coming up to your head and touching it. And I, I remember at the time when I wrote this, I was like, this, this is this probably the smallest scratch on the surface of what black women potentially deal with when it comes to their hair. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: I'll link a video in the description about that when I was reading that at the time. This is a big one. So the other thing I perceived, uh, and this will hopefully under, like help people understand, like part part of why I was interested in wearing it, was that I didn't like unwanted attention from the opposite sex. I wanted because I I was I don't know young and fertile. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I don't know what the right term is, but you know, like you're if you're a young woman, you understand what I'm saying. Like there's just the catcalling, the unwanted attention, the the sexual assault. <laughs> There's you know different different levels of it that I'd experienced that I just didn't want to be a part of. I did and if for whatever reason I felt like hmm, maybe if I wear this, not it wasn't the primary reason by any means. But I was like, hmm, curious. Like, what if I was was to not do basically do away with that unwanted attention in some ways and like, give myself a break?
1: Yeah.
0: So, uh, funny because uh, another lesson I learned: you're still objectified. <laughs> win win. So the first day I started to wear it, I go into work. They haven't seen, they've, se- the, the day before, they're seeing, they saw my hair and whatever. And now they're seeing me in this like turban thing. And the manager at the time, who I could, in hindsight, I was pretty sure was kind of flirtatious. Yeah. Um, and I think he was like, he was like trying to get my number and he stopped me in my tracks, I was walking. He's like, and he, he was like, is this for real? I said, yeah. He's like, what, like religion? like yeah and he went fuck (laughs) fuck and he walked away and i he was like disappointed that i was no longer a prospect or available failing to recognize i was never a prospect to begin with you were never gonna you were never gonna get there oh um so i thought based on that encounter alone like oh okay so I'm no longer sexually attractive. Job done. Like I'm, I've basically, in some ways, protected myself from a level of um, unwanted attention. Right here, here is a here is somebody that's on a conquest, and I've, I'm no longer, I've, I've bowed out of of the the dating game in that sense. Right. Um, maybe I could be finally left alone in that way. And I, I also, as part of that, I, I was part of the decision was I wanted to be seen for my character and not for my appearance. So I wanted to be appreciated and valued by my brain, by my character, by my, my, my actions, not by how I looked doing it. So that was another part of this sort of thought experiment in some ways, at least at the beginning, like, oh, what is this hijab thing like? And does it actually make me a better person? Do I get seen or perceived differently and, and, in a more, I guess in a better way for wearing this? But very quickly, I realised that that's absolutely not what was what was going to happen, um, because many more men down the road would move to me in different ways, um, and actually, they there were different tactics that were employed. For example, yeah. trying to like move to me for marriage, like very quickly. Whereas, I, like, I don't I don't know you, um, or they would like the idea that i was a good muslim woman so like again this idea of of piety that she's 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 covered her hair so she must be good like it's just this weird thing um or actually at worst i was seen as a a challenge in their pursuit so i always use the analogy of like a video game like i was if if typically i would be a level three or four yeah. on the levels of like sexual pursuits now i was at a six or seven i was just hard i was a harder level but still one worth pursuing like yeah. let's just crack that level let's crack let's let's break her down have sex with her and then move on they still thought it was possible and they yeah. still tried different tactics to do it um the fact that I was fully dressed, the fact that I'd cover my hair. cable, okay, well, if I take her hijab off, then that's more than if I take her just. Clo- I'm saying it's just, it was just more clothing to remove. It didn't mm-hmm. actually change the the concept of their pursuit. They just thought, oh, I just have more clothes to remove. Yeah, and that's. I'm not saying that's actually what happened in real life. I'm just saying like that was the perception, and that was like what they were. You could see the energy and the effort that was being made. It was like really disgusting. Um, yeah so that was what was happening it was really disheartening um and actually I just was like okay hmm, I'm just being objectified just in different ways it's not actually changing very much and I since learned that Muslim women in Mecca of all places during during the pilgrimage of all times get harassed sexually during their pilgrimage when they're walking around the Kaaba that they're, you know, they're getting inappropriate, inappropriately touched or harassed. There is There are many cases of this and these women are fully, fully covered. So it doesn't matter what lengths you go to. I think that's the other thing a part of the victim blaming is, oh, you should just cover up more, Yeah. you know? And here, here if, if you need an example of why that construct is completely fallible is that there are Muslim women that are fully covered in burqa's like head to toe. You can't even see their eyeballs and they're getting harassed. So it doesn't actually change. We can't expect women to continually make up for men's inability to control themselves. Yeah. Um. Another like concept of this is like, you know, I want to be seen or I want to be perceived or judged by my character alone, right? But because society society is so heavily sexualized, um, even someone like that you know someone that's covered up is considered a fetish um or a challenge so i remember at work there was a, a young woman who wore a hijab and she was a beautiful woman um and i remember she was out of the room or something and someone came up to me and was like oh yeah i heard that women like that they have always have matching underwear i was like excuse me like this is before i wore oh maybe i was just wearing it i can't remember but um This is what he was saying. He was like, Oh, yeah, like I heard that women like that are this and that. I was thinking. So, here's this woman, yeah, she's just trying to live her life, she's, like, fully covered, and Mm -hmm. there's still this fetishization of Muslim women, or women that fully cover in that sense, that there's got to be something kinky about them, there's got to be something weird and sexy about what they do underneath those clothes, and it's just another, again, another added level of difficulty in the video game of sexual pursuits. The assumption's made, he's already told five other people, now they've all got it in their head, and remember, we're in a professional working environment, so she's walking around and people are trying to like x-ray her skin you know it's just it was just that's just what happens
1: did that come to us as as a shock to you
0: yeah completely because here i was thinking that and here i was always told like this is what women you just wear it and then whatever and you know i i thought i just naively thought and i think a lot of people here would think that you know you the victim blamey kind of rape culture type thing tells us that Mm. it's it's women that don't cover up that are open to that. Yeah. And I knew going in that that wasn't necessarily true because being sexually assaulted was when I was fully covered, not in a hijab, but I was fully cut, like I had hoodie on, baggy, like I. So I knew that on principle, but I still, I don't know, I still had this perception that okay, maybe if I like wear hijab and like you know, I don't know, I'll just be seen differently. I just I'll be seen like a nun is seen, like, mm. Just kind of disappear into as far as sexual pursuits are concerned that you know you're not I'm not in the running but it just wasn't it just isn't that that way at all um, so yeah so yeah and then I've since learned that there's actually a whole like different level of fetishization of hijabis um, since in the porn industry as well um, and I didn't know this at the time but actually looking back probably the, the timings match up in the sense of there was a there's like hijabi fetishes on on like Pornhub and stuff there's a famous uh, adult actress uh who's since left the industry because of how she was manipulated and stuff she's not even Muslim but she was asked to wear hijab for a scene and then that's been viewed like 800 million times and majority of those views are actually in the Arab world ironically so um in Muslim majority countries, so there's clearly a thing for it, right? We yeah. can't and, and women just can't seem to catch a break from it. Like you're gonna get objectified regardless. So that's that's one thing. Um what else? Oh here's another one. So another reason why I decided to wear it was because I wanted to sort of what's the word? Get closer to my creator, yeah. sort of elevate my faith, right? And outwardly expressing your faith in any capacity places some kind of expectation or like weight of expectation on you. And especially in today's climate where we, there's all these misrepresentations of Islam and Muslims. So tensions were so high and everyone's really suspicious. And I just, I think women that wear a hijab feel that pressure and they feel the pressure to be a good example and put their best foot forward. And my goal at the time, at least every day, was, okay, if I'm going to have an interaction with somebody who had ignorant or bigoted views or, you know, just ill-informed views, that after speaking with me or having an encounter with me, they would think, oh, maybe that Muslims aren't so bad or, you know, she was pretty cool, she was pretty chill, so maybe I need to, you know, do away with my perceptions of, of this faith I had before my interaction with her. And You know I felt a responsibility I still feel a responsibility as a Muslim woman to especially living in the West to express my faith or show how normal we can be quote normal and wearing a hijab is an outward expression that heightened that feeling of responsibility for me Um, and it exists now just to, to a lesser extent again I've kind of before I put it on I still felt that responsibility and I still feel it now. It's just I visibly can get away with not with not having to represent it as much in yeah. some ways. Um, but then also within the Muslim community itself, there are internal expectations, like I said, kind of, kind of when you intersect with culture, that when you wear a hijab or when you wear a headscarf, you are on a different spiritual plane. You're kind of elevated. You're a bit more pious. You're taken a bit more seriously. Um you know, you must be kinder, you must be a better Muslim, better person, more intelligent, more pure of heart, more pious. And I naively hoped that by outwardly expressing my faith and putting it on, outwardly changing, that I could manifest those qualities inwardly. Mm. And it didn't take very long for me to realize that, that that I was exactly where I was before I put it on. Yeah, <laughs> Exact same person. No matter where you go, there you are. And you know, I've only improved and grown because of internal work, internal yeah. efforts. Nonetheless, the, the hijab facilitated that for me, but it it was the tip of the iceberg. Um so, you know, with that said, it does sting and it does it does frustrate me when I'm expected to speak for Islam as, you know, oh I'm something bad happens on the news. Okay, I need to speak I need to I need to apologize for it or explain it or or feel some weight from it. Yeah, you're um, the
1: spokesperson,
0: Yeah, like, a, it's just a lose-lose. You can't speak for everything, and you shouldn't have to either. We're just normal people. But because of the way that Muslims and Islam is represented, it's like a lose-lose battle. You can't... I don't know, you just feel this pressure. Um, and, you know, I'm just a normal person, and the headscarf didn't do any of that growth for me. I did that growth for me. I think the only reason... The, a big thing that the headscarf did do in some ways was... I understood like my how it changed my perceptions of myself as it pertains to attention from the opposite sex. Yeah. And and also, you know, the the way that I'm judged. So I felt like okay, by putting my hair away and by cover and like wearing clothes that didn't reveal my shape or like reveal my sexuality, I had to rely, I myself had to rely on my own brain. So I couldn't count on my looks, I couldn't count on mm-hmm. my, I don't know, my femininity to get me ahead or get get what I wanted out of life or out of people. Um, not that I was ever that way inclined to begin with it's not like I pressed my boobs together in, in an interview and went, mm-hmm, please yeah. hire me like I was never that person anyway but I just felt like okay look I've done away with this now like all I've got is my brain all I've got is my character yeah so if I can't get this job on that alone then I'm you know if I can't make this friend if I can't do this thing because of how I look then that's that just shows that I'm. I need. I have some growth to do, right? So I, I I used it as an opportunity to, to basically soothe my ego, calm my ego, put put my ego aside, and say this is. I'm gonna do this because of X, Y, Z, not because of my my looks have got me there, or my looks are driving me to do this thing, or yeah. or I need validation for my looks. I need validation for me as a person, or how I externally look. And when you look at how m- just women generally are pressured on a daily 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 hourly minute by minute basis to improve their looks to maintain their youth to you know get the kettlebells get the resistance bands join the gym do the programs all of this stuff because you have to remove your hip dips you have to swart your obliques you've got to get your six pack you got to I don't know, do these like weird exercises to get a butt that didn't exist before. There's just all this stuff that we're expected to do. And by putting all of that stuff away externally, I had to just count on my internal, which I think was good. It was a good thing. Here's a big one. The, the intersection of culture and religion, you know, this idea of like the expectation and responsibility is, is placed on women to cover and be more invisible. To cater to men's fragility essentially in public and private spaces and you know i'd like to think that men can control any urges that they may have by my existence but this burden is placed on women um and it's just and that burden is widely accepted by women in those situations that you know we put it on ourselves it's the internalized misogyny it's not pointing the finger and saying why don't you sort yourself out? Why don't you put it back in your pants, you dirty, dirty man? Instead, we're like, okay, well, maybe I'll put a burqa on or or maybe I'll stay indoors or maybe I'll do, like there's these structural things that kind of happen that, um, not structural, what's the word? These gradual systemic changes in culture and and the way that women interact with public and private spaces that is encouraged by patriarchy and women just take it on as their burden and i felt like when i put a headscarf on i'd sort of integrate with my muslim community and like be part of the whole thing and actually when you get there there's a lot of that internalized misogyny that seeps in as well like muslim women telling you what to do and oh you need to wear this cover yeah. your hair a bit more all of this and that it's like hold on a minute aren't we on the same team you know can't we i thought you were dealing you're dealing with all this misogyny and vitriol as like when you're out in the world here we are in a safe space and we can't seem to shut up and like just support each other and get on with it like we're already dealing from dealing with it from all these other outside external forces so you know I just I it, it it baffled me that that was what was happening um and obviously you know we're talking about this in the British context when you take it out of that and you go to Iran Saudi Arabia you know there's it is it is law you have to you have to wear a head covering and that's a whole different kettle of fish um and then equally in places like france where it's there's really just an islamophobic um culture brewing where women aren't allowed to wear at all so you know i just feel like there is basically people being pulled in so many different directions and we're and we're basically getting clouded by so many different levels of judgment like have um, be able to drive the narrative for ourselves, like we let let us talk, you lot are so busy talking for us. Let us talk and talk about what what we 're getting out of it and what we want to do with ourselves and our lives and our bodies. you know ultimately it just comes down to autonomy over our bodies um and because that that is interpreted so differently, depending on the culture you 're in and the country you 're in, you can imagine how tall an order it is to sort of get consensus on all of this and i 'm not asking for consensus either. Um, but I think that there is because there are so many different judgments and ideas that are pinned on us. Um, it's hard to sort of separate the the what's it the wheat from the chaff. Yeah, is that it?
1: The wheat from the chaff.
0: Yeah. So um, and I actually just develop our own our own discourse. Like enough of us trying to bat back and defend ourselves against what you've decided is the truth. Why don't we? talk about our own truth and that be the leading conversation right instead of us trying to like navigate around your judgments of us i don't know if that makes sense but um you know and then when we talk about again the intersection of culture you're going back to the quran the quran's references to modesty firstly actually instructs men to lower their gaze ultimately the the responsibilities are actually firstly on men to sort themselves out don't look at women lower your gaze, mind your business, before there's even mention of what women should or shouldn't do, and you know, this idea of personal accountability is heavily, heavily emphasized in the, in the faith, you know, mind your own business, lower your gaze, sort your own life out, don't be judging others, don't be giving unsolicited advice to people, don't be giving it to people in front of other people, you're not even, you're not even supposed to give advice to somebody in, in public, you're supposed to pull them aside privately, so that so that so as to not embarrass them or put yeah. or put any spotlight on them. You're meant to give advice privately, so that no one can see that you even had the conversation. And instead, the way that that's just been twisted, where we've lost that, we've just lost that as a concept. And Sign you know, the
1: neighborhood watch on crack.
0: Yeah, but again, when we come back to the principles, the you know the principle is sort your gaze out first, sort your life out yeah. first, leave women alone. But again, you know, the responsibility is now on women to sort to sort out for men's fragility. And it's just it's and that's not something that's unique to Islam and I hope that's not coming across. When you hear that, you better hear that that exact same expectation is happening when it comes to the Me Too movement, when it comes to different um, ways that women are expected to behave in workplaces, workplace uniforms, all of that. So it's all it's all wrapped up in this in this burden. And when you come when you think about rape culture, the whole thing is, is wrapped up in a woman's burden to navigate ma- a man's world, right? Mm-hmm. Instead of flipping on its head and saying, hold on a minute, why are we trying to raise our daughters to dress a certain way and protect themselves from certain threats? Why don't we teach our sons to not be a threat in the first place?
1: I don't think there's enough on that, just universally.
0: <laughs> no, of course not.
1: Uh, it's just Guys are just left to their own devices and sometimes we cheer them on when they display behaviours that aren't i
0: don't know it's
1: yeah. just it's, it's a hot mess like there's a time and a place for everything but clearly it's not that's not been well established mm-hmm. in terms of like when to proceed because mm-hmm. you also don't want people to be like complete wimps or mm-hmm. like shy and whatnot when it comes to expressing des- a desire for the somebody of the opposite mm-hmm. um, but then it's just like there should be at least like a a baseline of decency mm-hmm. of like respect and like it just doesn't seem to exist from what I'm hearing anyway. well it
0: exists just... in the faiths; so it's just not being practiced in our yeah. cultures that's the thing I oh, mean some man. of it is some of it is but not all of it and especially yeah. when you think about who is accountable for these things right and when sexual assault and rape is so rampant in some of these cultures as well yeah and the criminal justice system is not yeah, it's not designed to protect eye. women it's yeah. designed to protect men you know, all of that stuff comes up, and then you then you have to ask yourself: Surely that that can't be about Islam? Surely, like that's not <laughs> that's not Islam, right? Like it, there's so many forces at play that make it's very clear to see that if it was up to Islam, this wouldn't be the case. Yeah. But because men are in charge and patriarchy is the underpinning,
1: again the culture comes back. Yeah, absolutely. Into it, like I keep coming back to this. I know I don't have the like the acumen or the or the. Academic resources to talk about it coherently, but I can I just feel with every like, like with every cell of my fiber that culture and where it intersects with religion needs to be analysed and looked into, and like explained because I think that's pretty much the source of a lot of the problems that we're we're facing. Um, like. Again, I can't comment on this. I, I don't know the the geopolitical um, political like standing and whatnot. But like the situation in Armenia and mm-hmm. Azerbaijan, mm-hmm. like I feel like cultures but again i don't know the history behind it but i can feel like maybe that's going to be culturally led or Mm -hmm. i feel like culture is such a huge force that we just don't really understand it like by all means yeah there's parts of it that should be celebrated Mm -hmm. and stuff but then i also think that there's a dark side to culture that's just intersects with
0: nationalism yeah like
1: there's so Mm -hmm. it's it's like it's like an ingredient when Mm -hmm. mixed with other things as you said nationalism when mixed with religion when mixed with like it can just take on it can
0: yeah. Well I think it's actually the opposite it's like it's nationalism disguised as culture Yeah or, or yeah, yeah yeah exactly
1: like yeah. E- either way something's not right in these recipes and it, it's it's just it's <laughs> not it's not blending right and it, it's yeah it, it needs to be looked into I'm not trying to say culture's bad like don't hear that from me but what I'm saying is I feel like culture and whatever it's mixed with seems not always to like come up with the best results Mm -hmm. that's what i'm saying and i feel like we need to investigate this
0: so i wanted to like wrap up with okay so i've explained like different different myths or different lessons i learned along the way of wearing the hijab and why i've decided ultimately to not wear it at least for now i may decide to put it back on in the future i don't know um i wanted to like give the perspective of you know, just like understanding and like, I'm not liberated for wearing it. I'm not liberated for taking it off. Yeah. I I felt like I was getting feedback of like, oh well, good for you. It's like, no, <laughs> I don't want that energy. Don't give me that energy. I was I was as free as anything when I wore it, and I'm free as anything now. Now I'm taking it off.
1: Yeah.
0: I we need to like get out of this headspace that women are Muslim women by design are oppressed or um, inferior or infantilized we are not we are grown ass people that get to decide our lives and if by whatever reason we are subjected to pressures external pressures like culture or law in some of these countries to wear it then don't don't think that that is just what every single Muslim woman is dealing with around the world yeah um yes there are some cases where muslim children are being told to wear it and they don't really get a choice but there's plenty more muslim children that are excited to wear it they they like the idea of it they're they they're following the example of their favorite aunt or you know their mum wears it or their mum doesn't wear it and they want to wear it and they it's like let kids be kids like just let them do what they want to do and you know i never had the desire to wear it when i was a kid i had different perceptions of it and i decided to wear it at 22 and i still got shit for it like we can't win so just let women do what they want to do i'm not free or less free (laughs) by wearing it or not wearing it, I hate I hate that I got that, like, oh, good for you, and, you know, it's just whatever, man, shut up, that's the first thing, <laughs> the other thing was, I've said before that I wanted to feel closer to my faith, and closer to my creator, by putting it on, and I did feel that for a, for a time, and then it started to change in some ways, Um, like I was telling you before, I wanted to sort of figure out my ego, and work on my ego, and by wearing it, I felt like i wasn't relying on my outward appearance or my outward actions i was relying on my Id- i was starting to focus more on my inward actions but what also happened is that a i guess an un- unintended side effect was that i was developing pride around wearing it and i developed a level of pride where i was like i felt like i would be less than if i didn't wear it
1: yeah you felt superior
0: i felt superior by wearing it and i would more importantly i would feel inferior if i was to take it off um And I didn't like that this this outward expression could have that much control over my sense of worth, Mm -hmm. Um, and I also felt like a hypocrite in some ways, where I would. But I've said this earlier, you know. You you feel like you have to represent your faith and represent your culture, represent your whole community by stepping out in the world and being visibly Muslim. You've got to be all things to all people and. You know, I think there's many Muslim women that do away with that. They're like, screw you, man. I'm going to live my life. and I'm not here to represent a damn thing apart from myself. And I applaud those women. But I myself did not feel that way. I felt like a pressure. And I started to feel like a hypocrite when I couldn't live up to those pressures. Kind of going out in the world and being visibly Muslim. And then behind closed doors, I really wasn't connecting at all. And I just felt like a bit of a hypocrite in that sense. There's a few other examples of that where... Um, it wasn't adding up I just felt really disconnected on the inside and then was standing up for my faith on the outside getting pressures from both both camps as as we've said I felt really disconcerting and just this I just wanted to like kind of have this anonymity I just wanted people to like mind their own business and I didn't feel like I could ever escape that by wearing it and ultimately what Islam comes down to is intention That is something if you ever, if you ever do any serious research in Islam, not even like to avoid all the news organizations, if you actually looked into Islam, not just on Wikipedia, um, a big, big concept is intention. And if your intention is not aligned with your actions, then don't do the action, essentially. And this, this idea of like trying to get into God's good graces or curry favor, um, by doing these outward actions when you're not actually feeling it on the inside is a really uh I guess a harmful cycle that you can get into and I just felt like my intention was slowly stepping away from my actions I didn't ever I didn't really want to do it anymore and by by saying that out loud or by acknowledging that it became clear that I couldn't I couldn't do it then I just couldn't because I'm now doing it for other reasons other than connecting with god i'm now doing it because i'm afraid of what other people will think or i'm afraid of what it will say about me or i'm afraid basically by doing it for people instead of doing it for god it immediately shifts your intention away from the intent from from what its actual purpose is yeah so i couldn't i couldn't live in that anymore where i would i was just feeling like i was living i was doing it out of fear out of fear that people would treat me a certain way or do something differently or whatever it was instead of just doing it for god no matter what people thought right and i needed to take a step back and like come back to ground zero do away with all of those things all of those expectations what you left with who are you without this who are you without these perceptions and this this identity you've created and if you took it all away could you start really connecting on an authentic level actually build up an authentic relationship with god not one that you think is the one that's best presented uh, best represented in the world do you see what i'm saying yeah um and when you couple that all with my my ideas of ego and pride and judgment and how i was interacting with those emotions and and i and and, and feelings as well as how the outside world was interacting with those things i just i kind of I, it felt very clear to me that i had to just clearly I'd been developing an identity or developing a sense of self that was revolved around fear in some yeah. ways and I needed to do away with that.
1: Yeah, It just goes back to that whole thing of like different things are required in different seasons and mm-hmm. what helped you in one season might not necessarily help you in, in another season of your life. Um, And I guess the most important thing throughout that is just to remain honest with yourself and to constantly check in and like... Go based off how you feel. Like, really question. Like, am I where I am in terms of like my faith and connection? How I am in the world? How I act in the
0: world? And it's stuff. all like, about it's integrity just, yeah. for me. It was like I'm <laughs> living. <Sorry>. And <laughs> he watched a South Park episode and can't get enough.
1: Integrity farms. <laughs> De- integrity
0: farms. Um, yeah, just integrity. Like, can I can I live with myself? Can I is who I am actually how I'm presenting myself and vice versa. And when I look in the mirror, do I like what I see? Right.
1: Again, as well, like as I said earlier, like people, I feel like people of faith are very blind to the fact that people come from like different sex and and or different like, different strokes for different yeah. folks. And then also as well, even with oh, within your own, people are in different are at different stages of their own of their journey. journey. Yes, yeah, so, and I feel like like religious people are very very blind to that
0: i became i started to become blind to it and the irony is like that's not the world i come from yeah i come from a you know bicultural and by say like two different religions were in my household there wasn't any particular pressure to be a certain way or do a certain thing i wasn't pressured to wear a headscarf whatsoever and i i felt like again coming back to that intention the intention was i want to see what this is about i want to see if this brings me closer to my faith and I feel like it really did, it helped me build my understanding of ego, and how I relied on the world to validate me, right, but then, so that's great, I learned that, that's good, and I no longer rely on those things, but equally, I developed another thing, a kind of the side effect was I developed pride around that, oh, I don't need this, I don't need validation, oh, you're seeking validation, oh, poor you, I started to develop that, and I was like, whoa, wait a second, like, that is not the intention of this, that is not, that is not the person I want to be, where I'm now, this is now a crutch. This is not something I'm relying on. I need to give myself a break, and stop putting so much pressure on myself, and just see what I'm made of. Like, don't don't judge yourself anymore. And by doing that, hopefully you can release that judgment that you've developed over others. Yeah. And just mind your damn. Going back to that, mind your damn business. <laughs> and you know, I think with that said, um. You know i think a big thing just to wrap up is to say you know again this is my story this is not going to be every single person's story far from it actually um but what i want everyone to this to, who's listening to understand is that you know you're not you're not going to be able to develop these these um a, a balanced or nuanced view of of the headscarf or hijab or muslim women if you don't hear from muslim women directly and I just be very cautious when you're consuming media like Homeland, for example. Like the way they they um, portray Islam is very problematic. Um, there's all kinds of shows. If I would encourage you to read Edward Said's Orientalism, that talks about um, not Islam, but just how uh, media representation of uh, uh, you know these kinds of things play out into your kind of perceptions and on what you think of. Of different cultures that aren't your own and um, particularly Western um, and I think what's happening now in recent times is this idea that you know hijabs you know we want we want w- Muslim women represented in media and TV shows and films and stuff but the way it's done is, is really problematic like um, the show elite on Netflix where they have this hijabi character where she liberates herself and she decides to take it off and it's like oh my god we like can we not can we not it's it's just so frustrating i haven't even watched it but i just heard about all of this like muslims are i saw this this comment on it muslims are either represented as almost atheist rebelling against cruel parents or they're represented as terrorists so the those those are the two options you're either a rebel do you remember skins the guy who no, was like i
1: don't really watch skins so i can't too, remember his character
0: but... name but he, again there's a group you know a group of teenagers and one of them was muslim and he'd be they'd be going out partying and then he'd be like praying outside at 3am like yeah. you know like there's the there's that way of sort of rebelling or you're a terrorist there's no yeah. in between and the, and i'm telling you now guys the 99% of us are just we like being muslim we want to be muslim again it's a choice we can decide not to be what we choose to be and we're just figuring shit out we're just flawed human beings who believe in this in this faith and we're just trying to figure out our lives and the vast majority of us are in the middle of that spectrum
1: i was gonna this is another topic in of itself Uh, i won't go into it too much but i remember was it no the lady that um uh when she did a reaction to aladdin yeah yeah i found that really interesting because this is yeah
0: And this comment says, I want, to see how, I want to see a show of the hijabi in university struggles to find a secluded place to pray, or has to explain why her foot is in the bathroom sink, or is celebrating her 21st birthday in, in a, quote, halal way, halal meaning, like, permitted way. Yeah. Um, and the whole bathroom in the sink thing is because when we pray, we have to wash our selves before we pray so it's a cleansing ritual and we wash our hands we wash we splash our face we splash our our ears we uh, and we splash our feet so so you'll see with some women putting their like if i'm in a public bathroom i'll try and find like a time when no one's in the bathroom whatever quickly get my foot up on the sink wash my feet and it looks odd but I'm, I'm I'm cleansing myself my feet are cleaner than yours thank you right so <laughs> there's that going on I want to see that represented in tv and film that there's just normal Muslim western women that are just working I, I would be washing my foot in the sink of the work bathroom <laughs> and then quickly finding somewhere in the storage cupboard to pray you know like that that's my life I don't know about you but that's my life yeah. so I'm to see that represented not oh you know she's she's oppressed She just wants to liberate herself oh she just wants to lose her virginity this whole thing it's like no most of us are cool actually thank you very much
1: i swear it's like <laughs> i feel like when the pandemic is lifted somewhat like all these like studios in america or like tv studios here like they've got a big job on their hands in terms of like representation. Well especially when Islamophobia is so rampant. Yeah, when
0: Islamophobia is so rampant, you have to it's it's your duty to represent normal yeah. Muslim people. Um anyway. So I just wanted to wrap that up and just say, like, be mindful of that of representation. Don't don't just outwardly go, oh my god, a Muslim woman's on on a TV show. Great job done. No, like, how is that Muslim woman represented? There's how no how students. what is what is the dialogue? What is her what is her character arc? What like what what is the story they're trying to tell about her? Um, and well, and you might for as well me,
1: plug that show that you really liked, Zirami.
0: Yeah. Rami yeah
1: because very, said, very well you, done. You but that, that's that nuance. Was... that's
0: only again, I'll say this again. We're not a monolith. so yeah. Rami is a story about an a
1: Egyptian, Egyptian?
0: Egyptian yeah. guy who's born and raised in the US in New Jersey who has who's come from an Egyptian family. so J- Egypt is one country <laughs> in yeah. one region, right who they speak Egyptian Arabic. They, I related to it very much because Moroccan culture is very similar to the Egyptian Arab culture um, where so you, you would find, North, you know, Moroccans, Tunisians, whatever, they're like, oh, yeah, yeah. Like, we really relate to this. But then the Bangladeshis and the Pakistanis were like, this is so not our show. Like, where's our show? Where's yeah. And black, black African-Americans were watching it and saying, oh, this is meant to be about Muslim-Americans. This is not us, yeah. right? So there is all of that going on. There's so much nuance within the Muslim Ummah. And we have to find spaces to represent ourselves rami is one show we need hundreds more ramis
1: but well, what i was saying the only reason why i pointed that one out is because i remember your reaction at the time was that you felt like it was one of the first times. it's that the
0: first time me and, and my brother like
1: they went beyond
0: me and my brother we literally like he was like i've never felt so so re- i've never what did he say i've never felt so represented in a show yeah and i felt the exact same way and I feel so lucky and grateful that that's happened, but there's many more people that don't feel that way. The Sen- Senegalese I Muslims mean. Look, not looking at Rami and going, "Oh yeah, we that, relate."
1: Yeah. Not just that's what I mean. Like when yeah. this pandemic is done, like these tv studios and commissioners and netflix peeps they've got a job on their hands like because hopefully the reason why i say when the pandemic is done because obviously they'll it'll be easier to do certain things you don't have to yeah worry but they only COVID if they but stuff, this
0: is but. the reason why Rami works is that Rami represents himself so yeah. he's the creator he's the writer so we need this is the thing i'll end on is be be vigilant about what you're consuming and watching as far as it pertains to Muslim representation. And as far as Muslims are concerned, like we have to reclaim our space. We have to tell our own stories, like Rami is an example. We have to tell our own stories and our own narrative and lead on that and not rely on Nec- Netflix execs to tell it so perfectly, because they're not going to. They're, they're one, the one the most recent well, one is always- that example of the, the Muslim teenage girl who, you know, is desperate to take her hijab off. Yeah. It's like yeah that's one story but that's that that's all we're seeing well, I was and gonna say
1: like well i guess their their role isn't necessarily to come up with the how it's going to be represented but at least to provide the platform that
0: needs to happen across the board obviously um and i'm hoping that by telling my story it, it kind of demonstrates the point that yeah not not all of us are desperate to take it off and jump in a pool like that's not that's not our life and i don't i don't appreciate that that's what people perceive is that when i take it off it's a triumph hope, hopefully by hearing what I've said about my decision to take it off it's actually nothing to do with it's not salacious it's it's really me trying to get closer to my faith understand myself more there's nothing remarkable about it it's Mm -hmm. just it's just a cloth man like and we build up so much around it and I just think again hit I would focus on listening and hearing and watching stories that that are from muslim people allow muslim people to lead on this conversation you know we just need to have our tell our own stories and this is hopefully my attempt to tell my own story and it might not be what you what you would expect but it, it, it hopefully that's a good thing right it just shows that it's, it's not this dramatic you know once you know is she a terrorist or is she liberated like there's many of us in between <laughs> actually the vast vast majority of us that are still i'm still proud to be a muslim woman. i am one i will know that won't be taken away from me and no matter what whether it's a muslim or non-muslim tells me that i'm less than or whatever it is for not wearing it for awful wearing it it doesn't you know that's not what i'm living for anymore so um yeah i hope this was helpful uh and that you took something from this and you know if you are interested in this topic um I'll put some links in the description for you to learn more. Highly encourage you to to like do some serious research on it. Don't just watch a couple of videos and then call it a day and say you've learned everything you need to learn. Again, I would keep an open mind and just be open to the idea of taking in more information to understand it deeper. Um,
1: I was just going to say, the Senegalese guy that we were talking about before, his name is Amadou Bamba, mm-hmm. um, and he's considered a Sufi saint.
0: Oh, yeah, Sufism is a big one. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and he was a religious leader in Senegal, and he was the founder of the large Murudri, or mud- Murudri, right? Or Murudri, uh, someone from Senegal, correct me, Brotherhood. Um, mm-hmm. That helped liberate from French colonial rule.
0: Oh, there you go. That See, that's a big thing, It's how colonialism plays into all of this. So,
1: yeah. yeah. Anyway. Yeah, interesting character. You should definitely check that out as well. Like... Yeah, but anywho, this was Sophia's opportunity to talk about religion. I don't know when it's gonna come around next because we don't like talking about this. I do not enjoy <laughs> it in the slightest. I don't feel. But yeah, I guess the only thing for me I would say is that um, I guess this is just a thought. It and it might change. Um, I do feel like this is like a representation of that the platform that religion can provide somebody on an individual level in terms of like providing them a platform to challenge and improve themselves and Mm -hmm. this is like the journey or this is an example of that struggle that happens Mm -hmm. like it's not just supposed to be like some show-off thing or like my religion is better than yours type situation Mm -hmm. but it's actually supposed to serve you um, in your pursuit of trying to be a better human pursuit of the
0: truth, pursuit of of yeah of um, good character.
1: So that's where I'll. On that with. note, what a good and note. Yeah.
0: Thanks, Tom, for hearing Hopefully, me out.
1: Hopefully, there's no backlash from this.
0: Where is it going to come I from? Don't know, I just. I'm I, never yeah, on Instagram. It is it is, Who cares? <sighs> hey, this is the thing. If we're gonna if we're gonna bash people for telling their story, then I, I don't know what to tell you. Right? Like, <laughs> well, at the end of the day you can't you can tell no tony you can tell like, me what you want to tell me but i'm not it's not going to change the outcome so it is what it is
1: and yeah uh, another thing is well, apologies if there's any like major sound issues i've done my <laughs> best to try and monitor it I think that's I why know. he was
0: barely talking and not listening i
1: think i i am aware of what the issue is um okay but yeah anywho guys thanks for listening thank um, you and i hope this was thought-provoking and I hope, like me, you were able to secure a PS5. Oh today's the release my god! Day, but I know you'll be listening to this a week after. So happy PSV time! Let's Kay. get it.
0: Okay. Bye.
1: Bye.